0: How now shall we live? That is our big question for the day. How do we live as Christians in this secular world, this secular society that is telling us, don't be Christians, be who you want to be? How do we live? You're listening to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 322. And today's devotion title, you guessed it, is how now shall we live? And this is the question that is posed in all of our passages for the day. And we're going to try and provide some answers with some Bible for you today on how you should live.
1: How Now Should We Live? is the title of a book by Chuck Colson, former Hatchet Man, a President Nixon, founder of Prison Fellowship, whose life was completely changed as a result of an encounter with Jesus Christ. Centuries ago, when the people of God were in exile and despair, they cried out to God, how should we then live? The same question rings down through the ages. As believers in our Lord Jesus Christ, How now shall we live? From Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will
0: eat the fruit of your labour. Blessings and prosperity will be yours.
1: Bask in blessings. God promises peace, prosperity, long life and blessing on family life for those who walk in his ways. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in his ways. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Some people slave away for money and success, but never enjoy what they've earned. But all who fear God, how blessed you are, how happily you walk on his smooth, straight road. Enjoy the blessing, revel in the goodness, stand in awe of God's yes. Oh, how he blesses the one who fears God. Enjoy the good life. These promises are superseded by Jesus' promise of life in all its fullness. Our life on this earth may be short and for many full of trouble and difficulty, but the blessings are even greater and eternal. Eternal life is a quality of life that starts now and goes on forever. Bask in his blessings, walk in his ways, and lead others to do the same. Lord, thank you for these amazing promises. Help me to bask in your blessings today. New Testament from James 2
0: My brothers and sisters, If you really keep the royal law found in your scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead.
1: Live with love. The poor come to us in many forms. Mother Teresa said, never turn your back to the poor. For in turning your back to the poor, you're turning it to Christ. Love for the poor is not an optional extra. It's at the heart of the New Testament. It is evidence of living faith. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing right. Your love is shown especially in what you do for the poor, the hungry and the needy. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment every time. Treat the rich and the poor equally. If we discriminate against the poor, then we become judges with evil thoughts. God's bias, if anything, is in favor of the poor. James goes on to say, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing but his physical needs, what good is it? As believers in Jesus, you are called to live differently. Your faith must be evidenced by your deeds. All the way through the New Testament, these two go together, as do words and actions, proclamation and demonstration, the conversion of individuals and the transformation of society. James writes, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them? Faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Isn't it obvious that God talk without God action is outrageous nonsense? In other words, if your faith does not change how you live, it's not real faith at all. James continues, You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. He proves that mere intellectual belief in God is not enough. You believe that there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. Interestingly, like Paul, James uses the example of Abraham. Paul used the example of Abraham to show that justification comes by faith. James uses his life to show that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. James's second example of this seamless unity is a more unusual one. He looks at the actions of Rahab who's described as a prostitute. She demonstrated her faith in God by helping out two Israelite spies and was considered righteous as a result, though she can hardly be described as a model citizen. By using her as an example, James makes clear that he's not talking about earning our way to God by being good people. Rather, he's demonstrating that there is a seamless unity of believing and doing. Rahab acted on what she believed. James concludes, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. As John Calvin put it, faith alone justifies, but faith which justifies is never alone. You cannot earn your salvation. You're not saved by your good works, but you are saved in order to do good works. The book of James does not contradict the Apostle Paul, as some have suggested. James's point is, is not that you can earn your salvation by good deeds. Rather, he's saying that genuine faith will be evidenced by how you live. Lord, help me to live a life of love and to act urgently on behalf of the poor, locally and globally. Old Testament from Ezekiel 33-35 to
0: Woe to you, shepherds of Israel! Who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? For this is what the Sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I myself will tend my sheep and make them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. I will shepherd the flock with justice.
1: Shepherd the sheep. The Lord spoke out against the leaders of Israel, the shepherds of Israel. He accused them of only taking care of themselves and not taking care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed the sick or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. The Lord said, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. I myself will tend my sheep. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. But the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. God's message to his people through Ezekiel had a very similar theme to that of James. The Lord said to Ezekiel, they listen to you speak but they don't do a thing you say. They love to hear you talk, but nothing comes of it. How now shall we live? When we compare the Good Shepherd to those who failed to look after the flock, it is clear that there are a number of things that you are called to do. First, strengthen the weak. We do this through good teaching, encouragement, prayer, and building community. Second, Heal the sick. Honor all those in the medical profession and all those involved in the healing of the sick. You can lay hands on the sick and pray for them in Jesus' name. Third, bind up the injured. There are so many broken people in our society, in the prisons, homeless, on the streets, and even in the boardrooms of companies. The Spirit of the Lord enables you to bind up the brokenhearted as you pray for them, embrace them, Listen to them and care for them in your community. Fourth, go after the strays. There are many prodigal sons and daughters who've strayed from the father like lost sheep. Help them come back to the father's arms. Fifth, search for the lost. At times, you may have to leave the other sheep to search for the one who is lost, to bring them back to repentance and cause more joy in heaven. Sixth, Shepherd with justice, seek justice on behalf of the oppressed, the needy, and the poor. We should rescue children, women, and men from slavery, bring the perpetrators to justice, set the captives free, and care for them. God's promises to tend his flock become intertwined with the promise of a new shepherd, my servant David. The promise points back to the historical King David, who was Israel's best shepherd to date. But... It also points forward to an even greater David who will fulfill all these promises. Jesus, our king and shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Through him, you receive the showers of blessing and salvation. He says, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God bask in his blessings, live a life of love, strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the injured, bring back the strays, search for the lost, and look after people with justice. This is how you should live today. Lord, let me not just hear your words, but put them into practice. Pippa adds, In James chapter 2 verse 13 it says, mercy triumphs over judgment. It's more important to be forgiving than to be right.
0: Let's pray. Lord, help me today to live out my faith with love. Help me to think of one person that I can love especially today. Lord, give me the strength to love them in the way that you would want me to. And give me the wisdom
1: to know the words to say. In Jesus' name, amen.